Chief, uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot them in the head. That's a sure way to kill them. If you don't, get yourself a club or a torch. Beat them or burn them. They go up pretty easy. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this podcast to bring you some incredible news. We are under attack. Never before has this reporter seen such devastation, such destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, I fear the time has come for Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules! So grab a can of fermented weed and listen up. It may just save your life. Friends, I'm your host, Douglas Arthur, and tonight I'm bringing you part two of our two-part tribute to the late, great George Romero. Uh, joining me in the discussion is the infamous gang of occasional co-hosts, a.k.a. the Gooch Squad, led by Brian the Hitman Curtis, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, and Michael the Goon Noble. Last week we discussed George's long career and began touching on some of his lesser-known gems. Uh, most everyone knows him for his zombie movies, but thought we'd discuss some of his other films. Uh, Jim talked about Creepshow, and Michael discussed uh, the vampire movie Martin. So let's jump in and see what Brian and I have to say. What movie would you like to talk about? Hey, you got a, a twofer. You get the movie and segue, or we're going to start with the TV show of Tales from the Dark Side. Ah, very which nice. George Romero was the executive producer of, which borrowed from a lot of uh, stories from Stephen King. Not, not, not me, as you would think, because he didn't have a budget. And, right, right. And he was, he was an anthology TV show. had one of the creepiest openings you'll ever, ever watch. Yep, it's like there's a dark side. It was heavy in syndication. Yes, and when you would watch it, that was really cool because you know Creep Show is in that same vein, of course, because it's based off the anthology comics. But it had a Twilight Zone, Outer Limits kind of vibe to it, and you didn't know what you would get because sometimes they were funny, sometimes they were serious. Um, I remember the one. There's like two that I really remember. Three that I really remember. One was a vampire pool with this guy and she was going to kill him and then he was like but you killed my brother and then he killed her and then there was one where this weird looked like the lady on the Miller Lite beer bottles on Haley's Comet that showed up that was a weird one that was supposed to be funny it wasn't <laughs> it was supposed to be wasn't there Man. one wasn't there one that starred I think this is the series wasn't there one that starred Jerry Stiller as a as yep. a uh, talk radio guy that slowly mm-hmm. turned into the devil. Hello, it's midnight again, and this is Mandrake, the devil's advocate, 
And I'm on a rampage tonight, so uh, if you're calling in, you better think twice. That was another thing. It had like that more more than creep show. It had more of that that EC Comics moral tinge to it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the bad guy's always going to get it because that's what got, I got in the you know the old Tales from the Crypt TV show that got me into the comics. And you know, I love the fact that it was always immoral. You mm-hmm. know, they're not come back as a zombie, but there was a moral to it. These, these had more of that than Creep Show. At least Creep Show too. It's like you know what? There's a big blob in the middle of the water. That's, there's no moral to that. But in Tales <laughs> from the Dark Side, there's usually a moral. But that mm-hmm. was one of them. Uh, what else was there? And Tom Savini worked on it. You know who else uh, uh, directed an episode? Um, I believe, if I, if I read correctly, Jodie Foster directed an episode uh, of Tales really? from the Dark Side. Yes. He gave a lot of people, you know, ch- early early chances on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Tempest Bledsoe was on one. Yeah. Um, but he he was the executive producer, but um, I think that he, he didn't actually come on until like the second season. He wasn't like mm-hmm. the original, um, uh, you know, one of the originators. But yeah, because let's see, Tales from the Dark Side was 1983 to 1988. It ran 90 mm-hmm. episodes. Ran 90 episodes. Um, and let's see. Um, if there's any, as far as directors of episodes go, uh, let's see. You Michael correct. Jody Foster Mike. is in there. She's yeah, Tom Tom Savini uh, re- uh, directed three episodes. Let's see. Bob Balaban actually directed an, ep- an episode. Great oh, Bob cool. Balaban. Um, Michael McDowell, who was uh, actually, I think. I don't know if he directed the the movie or he 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 had something to do with I think he might have written part of the screenplay or something. Um Jody Foster one episode. Yeah. So I don't think that Romero actually directed any of the episodes but he wrote uh he wrote four episodes and he was the executive producer of um And they were yeah. just 30 minute episodes and they were yeah, right. They, they, it looks like they adapted Robert Block. There's a Robert Block. They did? Uh, three, three episodes, it says, Robert Block. There's a couple of Stephen King. Clive Barker was one, too. Stephen King wrote two Clive episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, David Gerold. Uh, any Trekkies out there know who David Gerold is? Mm-hmm. Yep, did the, the, the Trouble with Tribbles. Um, so, yeah, there's a... There's, there's, a, there's Harlan Ellison. He got an episode? Uh, yep, Harlan Ellison did an episode. He was good and surly. He was ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it, it was one of those shows where a lot of people got a kind of chance to kind of stretch out a little bit. And, um, you know, this is it was very strange, cool. But every time I think about Tales from the Dark Side, they used to do a double feature on Sci-Fi Channel. And they would show this other show that was like it called Monsters. Which, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've got the whole set of Monsters. That's, that See, was like I a... I don't remember that one. Yeah, that, that was kind one. of a that was a cut rate Tales from the Dark Side. <laughs> it was. It was like Tales from the Dark Side was like the Tales from the Crypt, but with a lot, lo, lower budget, more made for TV. And then Monsters was like, here's the hot dog version of all that. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. So, but then uh, that gets to the movie. Yes, the movie came Tales out a couple Side. couple years later. Yep, 1990. So that was in my my uh, my prime horror watching stuff, and that's I saw the movie before I saw the series because I didn't see the series till we got 
satellite, and I get to watch Ghost in the Dark Side. But the movie has an unused George Romero script. That's the Cat from Hell. Right, yes. And then also has The Raft by Stephen King. Yes, yep. And then The Hitchhiker, which has the very famous line, Thanks for the ride, lady! I, I think <laughs> I remember something about the cat, cat from Hell being, wasn't that originally a Stephen King story? Mm-hmm. Wait, that's right. It is a Stephen King story, George Romero. And by the way, The Hitchhiker was in Creep Show too. I messed that up. Shows from the Dark Side had um, a, a, a mummy story with Steve Buscemi and Christian Julie, Slater. Christian Slater and Julianne Moore. That's right. Shoot, that was one Cheapers. of her earlier roles too. Yeah. See, it, all, it all comes together. And, so the, the Hitchhiker was in Creep Show too, but then it had. Um, I'm trying to think of the second. The, the first off, it was a uh, the anthology. The, the wraparound story was Deborah Harry was a witch, and she had a young, not Joey Lawrence, I don't think, but it's one of those. Whoa, I think it was Joey Lawrence. Uh, Matthew Lawrence. I think it's Matthew his brother. Lawrence. Yeah. One of those Lawrence they, they, kids. They look similar, um, from what She's I can gonna tell. She's going to cook him. She's a witch, yeah. and then she has the book Tales from the Dark Side, and he's reading her stories. Ah. And then there's the cat from hell. There's only three stories. There was the mu- the mummy one where there's the mummy with Tibushimi and Julie Moore. And then the third one scares me to this day because I tried watching it on YouTube. <laughs> and it and it's based off of a, I think it was from something from Kwaidon. I've never seen Kwaidon. But it's a Japanese myth about a ghost that'll like kill your friends and tell you not to tell anybody. And yeah. this story, it's a gargoyle, and it's Ray Don Chong who's was shows up as a gargoyle, and she saves this dude, and he's like, and she's like, he's like, go kill me, and she's like, well, if you won't tell anybody, I won't kill you, and he's like, I won't tell anybody, and then she shows up as Ray Don Chong, then they have a family, and he's successful, and mm-hmm. then he's like, I have to share this with you, and it's you know this god this gremlin, gremlin, I'd make it all kinds of monsters. This gargoyle killed my <laughs> friend, and da 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 da, and she's like, you wouldn't tell anybody, and he's like, what? She turns to a gargoyle, and then her, her kids turn to gargoyles, and I'm like, done. I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> Too close to home. Oh, wait a minute. I'm like, it's creepy. I can't watch certain things. That, I, I, that was like that with The Strain. I was going to read The Strain. I was like, oh, this is right in my alley. And then it was like, you know, the vampire virus comes home, and I'm like, done. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I just jotted a note that uh, Brian has an anti-radon Chong, you know, phobia. So there you go. She she was she was really good in Commando, and Quest for Fire. Oh, Commando is amazing. Commando is a perfect film. And, Quest, and in Quest for Fire, she went Commando. That's okay. <laughs> but well, but yeah. Tales from the Dark Side was like when I watched the movie, I was like when I, when I found out because you know, I was big into Tales from the Crypt, so I went back and watched the TV show, thinking, oh man, this is going to be hardcore scary, and I'm like, what? Some lady that looks like she's on the Miller High Life bottle, like was on Haley's Comet. What the heck is this? You know, I was I was expecting Ray Don Chong gargoyles, not you know, nothing. <laughs> well, the other other little tidbit that I'm I'm seeing here is that one of the stories, and I think it's the uh, mummy story you were talking about, is actually based on a story by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, which was really creepy too, because somebody gets killed with scissors and then they put flowers in their back, and it's creepy. Tesla Dark Side creeped me out. Maybe it's because I was 11 when it came out, and I shouldn't have been watching it. Shouldn't have been it watching it. clearly rated R. There you go. 
<laughs> That'll do it. The, well, the other little uh, bit of uh, trivia that comes off of Tales from the Dark Side is, of course, that that's kind of where I stole the name for my comic strip uh, from, uh, Ta- Tales from the Dug Side. Wow. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, you never, you wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> you never would have guessed. Never would have guessed. Um, if you do a creepy opening to it, then you should you should go back to the Tales from the Dark Side TV show opening, which is <laughs> ten times scarier than the entire show. And so, do like yeah. you know, there is a dog side. Yeah, and it's got that cool visuals of the uh, negatively presented, you know, like uh, reverse image of the trees. You know, they're negative instead of. Yeah, positive. Oh yeah, that, that's kind of cool to going through that. And, you know, and you got that uh, the narrator giving the intro. I'm gonna have to check that out on the YouTube and remind myself. Telling you, went. if you were to take the Tales from the Dark Side movie and put those 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 opening scripts to it, it would be like in the mouth of madness or like pure Lovecraft because it's just it would you make you crazy. There you go. <laughs> too much. kind of brings us to uh, to my pick um which you know is a is another collaboration of sorts um between uh Stephen King and George Romero they seem to work a lot together i mean creep show but i've wanted to talk about the the dark half which was kind of a, a forgotten little uh movie which came out i think in 1993 um uh and there were a variety of uh production problems uh with it but i think uh, uh it 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 was one of those movies that got delayed and delayed and delayed and it finally finally came out in 1993 um and it's based on Stephen King novel um and they had been trying to work together for quite a while as far as uh, I mean obviously they worked with Creepshow uh but um there was a point where George Romero was attached to do a movie version of The Stand and they actually you know, had advertisements for it um, in like the trade magazines, and um, oh wow, there, there's even a there's even paperback versions of the book The Stand that came out with the little cover stamp on it that says "Soon to be a major motion picture directed by George Romero." Um, so it was it was like in very serious talks, but it never it never came through, uh, never never uh, never happened, unfortunately. Um, so, oh, wow. but they they did finally get together and make the dark half, um, which which is a cool movie. I really liked it a lot. I I don't think it got a lot of love, um, you know, at the box office. Um, you know, Timothy Hutton was the star um, of that, and he he wasn't really. I, that was kind of like a. Uh, you know, he 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 had that big early career, and then he disappeared for a while, and then 
uh, you know, the dark half was kind of a quote unquote comeback movie for him. Right? Um, and then, uh, you know, and then I think it didn't really allow him to come back too much. <laughs> uh, he wound up doing a lot more TV work, uh, I think after that, but it's an interesting story because, uh, the dark half, uh, it, I don't know how familiar you guys are with uh, the the book, but I, I was a voracious reader of uh, all the Stephen King books up until around that early '90s period. Um, you know, I, and then I started not having as much time to read. <laughs> but but the Dark Half is kind of interesting because it's about an author who um, has this kind of alter ego uh, that he, a, a pseudonym that he he's created um and uh this this pseudonym kind of comes to life and it's kind of this evil uh uh part so it's like a character that that he's created that kind of comes back after he's you know uh, tried to do away with him uh, and it kind of echoes um um if you guys remember um the uh the, the richard bachman the bachman books um yeah Stephen Stephen King was so prolific that you know his his uh publisher decided that they were going to put some of his other books out under a pseudonym because they didn't want to flood the market. So um you know that's where where uh, stuff like thinner and um uh, the long walk and some of those other uh movies um was did, after Did he do was, the the girl who loved Tom was it I can't think of his name now. Tom Gordon was that was that it was under Stephen yes. King wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think so. Yeah, I love that book. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, uh, but anyway, so it was kind of this thing. So once the once the jig was up, uh, he had to put the Richard Bachman pseudonym pseudonym to to, to rest. Um, and this book, The Dark Half, was kind of inspired by him having to to do away with his his uh, kind of alter ego. Um, and in, and in the movie uh, it, it, and with this book, you know, the alter ego uh, doesn't take kindly to no longer you know, being, uh, in existence and kind of, uh, you know, uh, become, you know, personifies and, uh, kind of, uh, chases him around. And now in the, in the movie version, um, it, R- Romero does this great job of, of, you know, keeping you guessing of, is it real? Is it psychological? Um, and I think, you know, that it, it, it came across in the book. And like I said, I read a lot of the Stephen King books. And in my mind, uh, The Dark Half is one of the better movie adaptations. It's it stuck cl- more closely to the the source material. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I don't have to tell you guys, you know, that the, uh, a lot of the Stephen King adaptation movies from, you know, from the 80s and, and into the <laughs> 90s, pretty much some of them just really took the title and that was about it. Um, you know, so uh, this this one really kind of stuck out. Each one of us is two separate beings. There's the outer being, the one we show to the world at large, inhibited, timid, often a pathological liar. <laughs> and then there's the inner being, the truthful one. Passionate, uninhibited, even lustful. Now, most of us keep that inner being hidden away, locked up. The fiction writer doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to hide it. He doesn't have to keep it from anything. He can let it out, bring it out in the open, let it live, let it breathe. Hell, he can let it party. They give it the car keys, let it ride! Yes! 
that. He has to do that. It's essential. The writer has to let that inner being out of the lockup. He has to let it have a voice in his work, otherwise the work itself will be inhibited, timid, without passion. Romero is kind of a master of using sound too. Sound plays a big role in um, in this in the movie as well because the character. Uh, may or may not have a brain tumor. Uh, you know, they're thinking at the beginning. He's, you know, as a, as a boy, he has a lot of headaches and and so on. Um, I think they kind of try to explain it that that's his alter ego manifesting itself. Uh, but but they use it. He uses a lot of sound um, in in uh, very effectively in the movie. Um, and I think that's one of the things that he's. Uh, Maybe, maybe not given enough credit for his use of sound in his films. I wanted to ask you about this, too. It was delayed a lot, but I remember, as soon as you said Dark Half, and I looked this up, that thing was advertised on the back of like Marvel Comics for months. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And I have a ton of books. It was like that, and I know it has nothing to do with it, but maybe like Dr. Giggles. For months, it was on Dr. the back Giggles. of all these comics. But then I noticed, too, that Orion (laughs) Pictures put out the dark half. Well, that was part of the problem because that was around the time that Orion Pictures was kind of going the way of the dinosaur. They they wound up having to sell off a lot of their properties, including the Adams Family uh, movies were originally Orion, but they couldn't afford to release them, so they wound up selling. I think they sold them to Paramount. Um, And the dark half was, was kind of in on that too um so it was kind of tied up in that whole um you know kind of orion kind of uh failing as a studio uh at the time so um you know that was part that was part of the delays you know and i remember like when is this going to come out when is this going to come out and you know finally just kind of got dumped uh i think it i've I don't remember the exact release date, but it was kind of later in the summer, which is, you know, August is usually like the, the, the you know, the, the month where studios will kind of, uh, you know, dump the dead bodies over the over the rail and in, into the river, um, so to speak, uh, with, with their movies. Um, that's not quite as true today. Uh, I think, you know, the movie movie business has changed a bit. I mean, you'll get you'll get blockbuster movies later in the summer now too, like Guardians of the Galaxy. The first one was released in August. Um, you know, so you know things things the things have changed a bit. But uh, at the time, it was, you know, kind of, you know, let's just get this out. And um, some people didn't have a lot of faith in that movie either, though. No, 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 not as much. I think they were kind of hedging their bets a, l- a little bit. Uh, you're probably right there. Um, I think after the dark half is when George Romero, he made a commercial for Resident Evil in Japan. It was called Biohazard, the video game. Right, so right. Cool. And it, they were going to, even on the video game, I have the original PlayStation video game, and it says, win a trip to meet George Romero or to do something with George Romero at the set for Resident Evil. And it never got made. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was uh, he was originally slated to direct uh, Resident Evil, um, and it just didn't work out. I think um, partly because, if I remember correctly, um, 
he they were asking him to give up too much control over over the movie he's he's definitely one of those people that seems to like to have his hand in uh you know every aspect of of making the film and it sounded like maybe there was some quote unquote creative differences on how to how to approach the film um you know he wanted to do it more his way um and and I, and i think you know that those kind of films don't really suit him as well because he's not really a hired gun director. You know, he's he's a kind of director that needs to make the movies that he wants to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, they seem to turn out better. <laughs> and that's another that's another film, Resident Evil, that I just saw for the first time. Oh, I'm saw, sorry. Saw it Monday <laughs> night. It it wasn't as it wasn't terrible, but. Uh, for the first 30 minutes, you have no idea what's going on. And sure. and I, Unless... the, the people I was seeing it with were saying to me well, that's, they, that they thought that that was kind of the point. You're not supposed to really know what's going on, really. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible to watch at somebody's house on a 60-inch screen. You know, it wasn't terrible, but... It's like a Saturday afternoon movie, though. Yeah, it was, it, you know, it's just like, well, you know, there are six more. I said, well, I think I've seen <laughs> the one I want to see, and okay. <laughs> oh, and yeah. incidentally, about the dark half, uh, we mentioned him earlier, Michael Rooker. Is yes. Listed in the cast. Yes. So I had no that. idea he was in that movie. Good old yep. Her- Henry the uh, Portrait of a Serial Killer guy. Mm-hmm. Well, he's and he's also Yondu in Gal- Garden, Guardians of the Galaxy. So there, we, and we bring, we bring it around. Here. What else? Yeah. What else? You know, Walking Dead. <laughs> that's Walking right. Walking Dead. There you go. And he played the dad on Mallrats. Which, there you go. That, that's right. Mallrats. I love Mallrats. Uh, you know, I saw the Mallrats version that was, I think, an extended version. I didn't see the theatrical release, which might have been better, but for me. The, the whole Michael Rooker part of it was just so bad because <laughs> I, I think he became more of a part of the movie than he was. I mean, it was absolutely, you know, it was, it was when Scooby-Doo went bad after the first couple of seasons level of mm-hmm. bad. I mean, it, this is just, I mean, he was absolutely, the fact that he wasn't, uh, you know, a hand-drawn cell by cell animated was the only thing that kept it from being at least, considered by me a cartoon because he was it was he was bad <laughs> but uh, the rest of the movie was interesting <laughs> well yeah. I, I i actually saw that movie in the theater when it came mm-hmm. out i was such a huge fan of clerks i yeah. i just and i couldn't wait you know i was like oh it's kevin smith's next movie and i was really excited about it and it, it was i was a little bit disappointed in it but I I had a good time. I I and, and it was made at least in part in Minnesota. That's at right. A at the, there you go. At, at, at the mall. At, at the at a mall. So there we go. Mm-hmm. Bringing it back around to uh, you know George Romero, who was and I was I was Brody one year started for in Halloween. Minnesota. Yeah, there you go. Well, of course they did because it was so cold. You so couldn't damn cold here. Southdale Mall, the first mall in the world. There you go. It's amazing. I think it's Southdale. It was probably built before I was born. And, and me as well. <laughs> Not Michael. Hey, but the thing about 
No, you know, I'm older and dirt. Everything was every. I, I was around when everything was built. Yeah, the pyramids were just getting finished up. Yeah. It's true. I've exactly. I've got I've got dirt. I've got dirt that's younger than than, uh, than Michael. Wow, well, and right it's probably still on the body. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, Romero though. Like, yeah, his influence ahead. goes through everything. If you notice, it's like all these things, and even if he didn't get credit for it, or I mean, even you couldn't have a show like Walking Dead without George Romero. Absolutely not. Well, they no, pretty much. You know, Robert Kirkman has, all, has said specifically that that you know he he pays not only does he pay homage to it. There have been like uh, half a dozen um, <clears throat> zombies that they have, or walkers in The Walking Dead. But they have mm-hmm. fashioned after, after undead from Romero's films too. So yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. They, they they pay homage to him all the time. But Kirkman has specifically said, you know what, he wouldn't have had The Walking Dead had it not been for Romero in his uh, in his trilogy. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole I think Brian kind of touched on it right when we were first starting talking about all this. I mean, essentially, George Romero created the zombie as we know him because yep, White yeah. Zombie from what 1933, whatever Abel Lugosi, the zombies in at that point, zombies were living people that were put under the control of somebody. They were drugged right. and they were it put was, in the control. It was not just come thing. from the it was, dead. It was not coming from the dead then. Yeah. yeah. And it's it, so the way it was de- depicted in Hollywood before then, it was somebody is controlled. And then George Romero right. comes along and comes up with these no, these are the recent dead come back, you know, looking to eat you know, human flesh. Uh, that's you know, that. I mean, he practically created the whole damn, and he did. Yeah, he, he was the in, he was the innovator of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, in, in in a certain way too. I mean, he he has also mentioned that um, he was inspired to come up with that concept uh, from the Richard Matheson story. Um, mm. uh, was it I am? Is it I am Legend? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. mm-hmm. yeah. So it, it it you know it's. Um, and, and and you can if you look at the I Am Legend and 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 not the Will Smith version, um, oh, but, ne- but never watched that. I haven't seen. Never watched never watched the Will Smith version of anything. Um, oh, although I, I honestly he was very very mistake. he was very very good in a movie called Six Degrees of Separation. I was just going to bring that one up. It was one of his very first movie yep. first movies. He was still like kind of doing Fresh Prince at that point. Mm-hmm. And he was excellent. He was excellent in that movie. Mm-hmm. And actually, I kind of liked uh, the Muhammad Ali movie too. He was very good in. Um, um, I don't know. I shouldn't. Not, I shouldn't make that. Nightmare on My Street is an awesome song from him. He 
took inspiration from the Richard Matheson story. Okay. So, um, so it wasn't, I, 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 you know, it wasn't a completely uh, born out of uh, his own cloth, uh, sure. you know, so to speak. But you know, I, I, I think everything kind of builds on what comes before. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think. Uh, I, I'm one of those people that's of, of the opinion that there's no true original ideas anymore. Um, you can, and, and, and Brian, you're an English uh, person, English professor. Uh, so, you, you know, it all kind of boils down to uh, some, you know, basic tropes that uh, every right. story, every story is kind of can boil it down to maybe like three, the, the three, three or conflict? four. Yeah, well, I mean, I never really liked the three conflicts. I mean, I think it's oh, no. too, too simplistic, but, uh, but, but, yeah. I mean, there's, there's gen- generally you can boil down every story to certain, certain aspects, and uh, you know, uh, you know, and you just kind of build on, build on it from there. But uh, well, I mean, even something like in like Star Trek, the Borg, there's zombies. Yeah, more mm-hmm. or less. I mean, there's a, a yeah, big old cube there. They're like zombies uh, melded with like uh, uh, a hive of bees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. They're controlled. They're, yeah. 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 So. Yeah, they're uh, more they're more white zombie than they are, uh, you know. Yeah. Undead. It's, it's like a horde mentality. It's this, right. you know, loss of individuality mixed Definitely. with like controlling and taking everything. It's like. You know, it's like Dawn of the Dead. Route. Exactly. <laughs> Who put the gun store in a mall? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, yeah. They don't have a lot to do back there, so you know. <laughs> so, anyway, so that that's the that's that's uh, the dark half. Um, now, you know, he did he did a few other movies that are worth mentioning. Uh, I think you know, Monkey Shines. I think was kind of had a uh, you know it was kind of a minor. I don't think it did it did extremely well, but it uh, you know had its it moments. Was, it had its moments, uh, you know, and that was kind of an interesting film. And um, uh, he did kind of get a little bit of resurgence. As much as I hate Zack Snyder. Um, he got a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, a bump um, here in in this in this century uh, because of the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Um, there was a little bit of interest in zombies again. That's uh, kind of how Walking Dead. And that wasn't uh, that bad. Nah, yeah, yes, it, it was. It wasn't that good either. Well, no. Uh, but, but it's that the whole, you know, the next level. It's, you know, somebody that watched his movies trying to make their, I guess, homage to it. Yeah. But faster. But, yes, but, but, but faster. Uh, but, but because that actually did very well, um, you know, they, he was able to make another Living Dead sequel, and that was Land of the Dead, um, right. which which was interesting because he you know he he actually got some backing from a major studio. I think that was was that uh, Universal put that out actually. Yeah, they remember. did. Um, Is know, that the so one with ha- the, the the city where the rich people would live in the? Yep, exactly. And, you know, it's got like Dennis Hopper and John Leguizamo, and you know, Age Argento. Uh, 
Yep, yep. So it actually had he actually had some money for a change, um, you know, behind it. It didn't do quite as well, I think, as they were as they were hoping. But um, it was able to um, it, it 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 allowed him to make a few more zombie, you know, Living Dead movies. After that, um, there was uh, was there one on a survival, survival of the dead? Survival. Uh, and, and then what was the a Diary of the Dead was the other one. Which yep. was Diary of the I, Dead. That was the found one with like the families. Oh, okay. I think that was so the it was found one with like Scottish one. families or something. Or am I thinking mm. something else? I don't know. I you know I didn't see any of the quote unquote new trilogy um, of movies that he did as, as zombies go. So I was kind of over zombies uh, <laughs> after the Zack Snyder remake. That was I was like you know I, I I'd had enough after, after that point. Um, so. One of those those last ones was the first movie I ever downloaded from my PlayStation. It was the first movie I bought, and I was like oh. I'm going to watch that. There you go. So that's your that was your first digital uh digital uh download mm-hmm. movie. Very cool. And my second was Ninja Three. <laughs> so there you go. You well know, they cancel each other out, so there you go. You know the, See, there you go. the the first movie I got through Netflix was The Passion of the Christ. You know, that's kind of a zombie no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Does rise from the dead, but I don't think he. I don't think he eats human flesh, though. Oh no, no, we eat his flesh. At least not. At least, yeah, yeah it's kind of reverse. Well, you are just you're rolling on all cylinders, aren't you, Jim? And we drink, and we drink of his blood. I was raised uh, Catholic. So, so there we go. That certainly explains a lot, uh, Jim. <laughs> don't don't encourage him, Douglas. Yeah, no, don't you you think I'd be Lutheran growing up here in Minnesota and all that, but you know, there's a few of us Catholics up here, so what are you gonna do? <laughs> I think I think it's more exciting if you say Episcopalian in that accent. Oh gosh, I don't think I can. <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares, seriously. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know. Or Presbyterian. A Presbyterian. No, I don't know if I could say that. We just say Lutherans. That's what we say. Ah, they're all Lutherans. These are Catholics or Lutherans. Okay, so I don't have to listen to Jim do his Minnesota anymore. I'm going to throw a few, a few tidbits in, a few lost tidbits of Romero. All right. Yeah, I was going to say we. All right, I was going to say we should probably try to start wrapping this up anyway. Oh yeah. Um, uh, in, in in those in those five films in those five uh, zombie flicks they did, he was in every single one of them. I don't know if anybody knows that, but he was in every single one of them. He was a one of the reporters in Night of the Living Dead. That's he right. was um, one of the TV directors, and he was he was actually a zombie in Day of the Dead. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I had no idea and it surprised me is that George Romero was one of the FBI agents in Silence of the Lambs. Well, I didn't know that. I feel like yeah, I did during, know that. You know, when 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 Hannibal Lecter had that cage in the middle of that room, and uh, you know ripped that guy's face off or whatever it was, there were a few FBI guys there, and uh, George Romero was one of them. I had no idea, and I actually looked that up, saw a tidbit on that, uh, looked it up, and uh, there he is, bright as day without his glasses, dressed in a suit. Is there no any kind of a connection between Romero and, and, and Roger Corman? You know, they're both similar in their 
approach to making films as far as being very fiercely independent and all that. Um, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me if they had at least met. And I've I've never heard of them doing any kind of collaboration well, or anything. Because Roger Corman was was in Silence of the Lambs as well. He has a cameo in there, and, and that sort of he was you know Jonathan Demme put him in there because Roger Corman had helped start so many people making films as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just that's, well, that's interesting that yeah. George Romero shows up in there. I did not know that. Yeah, um, both George Romero and. Uh, Roger Corman can make you a movie for $20, but Roger Corman will give you change back. <laughs> that, that, there you go, right? And get it done ahead of <laughs> schedule. Now, Big I want to say, uh, didn't, um, didn't David Cronenberg show, uh, was he in that too? Um, or am I thinking of something else? I thought he had shown up like a, a, as a cameo in one of these. I'm scrolling through. Was William thing? Castle in there? I think that's the last one. If William Castle showed up somehow. <laughs> That's every director yeah. that he was loaned it. He died after Rosemary's Baby, didn't he? Because he produced that. He needs some money. Yeah, I think so. I actually, I, I think my uh, my favorite William Castle movie is probably uh, John Goodman's homage to him in in Matinee. Matinee. <laughs> I oh. love that movie. That was a great movie. It was so good. All this has been in many science magazines, and he likes like waves him across. You know. <laughs> yes. Love it. <laughs> it was great. Well, does anybody else have any other uh, uh, nuggets of knowledge they want to drop on us before we, we wrap this up? I, I don't. I don't have any nuggets. I'm pure nuggeted out. You, you nuggeted out? <laughs> don't you know? I can't do it. I'm de-nuggeted. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess then this is a good, as good a time as any to mention um, that if you go back into the Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules archives over at spacemules.wordpress.com uh, or wordpress.com slash spacemules, I don't know, one of the two, go to the WordPress and look up uh, Space Mules and you'll find it. But the, uh, the entire archives of every episode is there, and uh, Michael and I uh, dissected Night of the Living Dead. I want to say it was like episode 15 and 16. Um, there was so much material that, um, you know, I, I cut stuff for time, uh, but there was so much good stuff that I, I made. That was actually the first uh, bonus mystery outtake show was uh, leftovers from the Night of the Living Dead show. So there's two in a row. There. I'm actually there right now. You guys did a From Beyond one. Woo! Yeah, well, actually, that was one of my that, that was one of my Halloween episodes, and I, I actually read the uh, short story from Beyond um, cool. for that. There is a little bit of I, I do a little pre uh, introduction where I talk about the movie and and so on, and um, I also wrote um, uh, uh, background music. I did the soundtrack for the for the episode as well, so which is available on iTunes. There you go. <laughs> Um, you should you should plug your book. Plug your book. You have a new book. Oh yeah, I should I should plug my book. Uh, I've got a brand new book coming out by the time this uh, podcast hits the air. It'll it may already be out, um, but I just wrapped up the um, Kickstarter campaign for my newest book called The Dregs of Crime, uh, which um, is kind of is a sequel book to uh, the 
Pocket Full of Crime, which came out in uh, May. Um, and so it's a, it's a basically a collection of improv comics, um, <laughs> which you know it's not uh, you know Carrot Top and 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 the gang Wayne Brady and so on. Uh, this is <laughs> this is this is uh, this is uh, actually taking a blank sheet of uh, a blank note card and actually creating a, a comic strip. Uh, in in uh, my my goal was five minutes or less, but I think it was probably more you know more like uh, ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> for for some of them uh but but that's that's coming out now uh coming out um you know Douglas in the blurb saying? in the book somewhere you you could actually put that uh, you know that dregs of crime came out the same time that George Romero died the same year that George Romero died and then you know that'll come full circle since there's so many coincidences with uh, with regard to Romero yeah, there you go. Well, it's it's yeah. funny. It's funny. Um, uh, if you guys are familiar at all with with my my comics, I I did a, a, a strip back in 1993. Um, they had just killed Superman off in the comics, in the, right. in the actual comic books, uh, with that whole Doomsday thing. So I was doing my I, I was probably into my second year of tales from the dug side uh as as a strip outside of college and i did i did a comic strip called night of the living superman because i figured you know they killed they killed him off uh in the comics and i said let's let's have george romero bring him back so <laughs> you know and i did the i did it kind of as a ec comic style page where i i'm like I this remember that i'm this little narrator up in the corner uh you know and it's like you know what if you know george romero brought superman back to life and then it's you know night of the living superman and uh you know he'll take a bite out of crime and keep on chewing <laughs> See that's a good tagline. Uh, uh, so yeah, I I, th I thought so too. Um, <laughs> but you know, I I just did a show in in um, in Schenectady, uh, New York, which is just like the next. That's where General Electric comes from. It's just kind of the next town over from Albany, uh, and uh, you know, I had the original artwork out on the table, and I. You know, I, I actually had somebody buy the original page uh, for that one just just, uh, cool. just a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, like like you said, Michael, there's uh, certainly coincidences abound. Uh, you know, um, so it was kind of a, you know, that that was actually one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite strips that I that I ever did. It was uh, fairly fairly inspired, um, but you know, I was, a, I was a big fan of George Romero's. Uh, you know, uh, growing up, I, I love the the horror movies, the the the, the Living Dead movies. You know, Night of the Living Dead and uh, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, Dawn of the Dead didn't scare me as much. That was more of, I kind of look at that as more of a, uh, an adventure movie with a horror theme. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a little comedy. See, the there's the, some, the way that movies. was filmed. For, yeah. There was some, yeah, there was some social satire. Um, going on in that movie, uh, Night of the Living Dead was just pure, uh, you know, intense. Uh, that was that was a horror movie, mm. <laughs> for sure. Dawn, and, Dawn, Dawn of the Dead was more of an, you know, adventure movie. I I think in in a certain way. Well, Romero always did say that it was never about the the undead or the zombies in his films that that, that he was writing about. It was always about the the human element and how either intelligent or stupid we could be as a race. So. Had nothing to do with the zombies. 
No, no, a absolutely. They're, they're really just kind of the, the MacGuffin, uh, so to speak. Uh, they're just the, the impetus for the how the characters interacted. Um, yep. and, and, and it's certainly true. Like Dawn of the Dead is most certainly, a, a, you know, a social satire on, on consumerism and, and, uh, and, and, and capitalism and so on. It's definitely a... Um, and, you know, and, and Night of the Living Dead, same kind of thing. It was all about how the how the the living characters interacted with each other and how they reacted to the situation. More so. Is than, it sad that I saw Return of the Living Dead before Night of the Living Dead? Mm, no, you're, you're you're of that age. <laughs> you're of that age. Oh, okay. so it doesn't surprise me too much. Um, and to this day, I, when I think about zombies, I'm like, brains make the pain go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, you know that that always pissed me off, actually, because uh, yeah, I'm and, and, and I'm sure and I'm sure Michael will, will agree with me on this. I mean, zombies were a certain way, and then Return of the Living Dead was just kind of jokey. <laughs> it it yeah, really was kind of jokey, and well, that was absolute you know, camp, and it, isn't that what they intended? They, they oh, probably yeah. taken seriously. Probably, but but I think but I think what uh, was you know I I I guess I was you know hipster poser guy at that mm. point because I was like that's not what zombies are supposed to be like and that's what, that's where we get the brains thing but, from but but that's know. what everybody mm -hmm. whenever right. I, whenever I mentioned zombies that was always like the first thing somebody said ooh brains, brains. Yeah, I'm like I don't from. do that I was like it's okay wrong movie <laughs> uh, hey, but but I wonder if there was anybody at like the premiere of Night of the Living Dead where people were coming out and they talk about it and they'd be like. No, zombies need to be led by Bill Lugosi. That's the way it should be. <laughs> there you go. Or or Probably. Rob or Rob Zombie for that matter. Um, See, there you go. <laughs> and a little tidbit of knowledge, I read an interview with him that his his parents let him take his bicycle to go see Not Living Dead drive in and he had to come back home on his bicycle. I remember that. A lot, doesn't it? Yeah. See? Well, I, I had a similar experience when I watched a Trilogy of Terror at my friend's house, and I had to walk home at midnight w wondering yeah. that if the Zuni doll was hiding behind every, you know, every car <laughs> parked on the street. So it was... Uh, I, I, that Is was, that where uh, the Zuni doll reference comes from? Yes. That comes oh, from tri yeah. Trilogy yeah. of Terror. Trilogy Karen, of Terror. Karen, Karen Black. Uh, Karen Black. And, um, you learn who's, something every now and then. Who, the, who directed that? Was that... Um, was that Larry Cohen? Who did who did a trilogy of terror? I want to say it was somebody somewhat famous. That was best of three though. It's getting past my bedtime though. I'm yeah, going yeah. Well, and and I'm an and I'm an hour ahead of you, so Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> think how think how late it is for me. Um, so all right, well let's let's wrap this up then. Uh, you know. Okay. Um, so all right, well thanks guys. Uh, I, I think you know we. I, I kind of feel like we barely scratched the surface on what we could have talked about um, with about George Romero, but it's a uh, you know it's kind of sad that uh, he's he's passed, but he I, I think he had a a good career uh, certainly. Um, you know, uh, you know, he. Had I think to... he's getting the the credit he he should have gotten earlier, though. Yeah, let's, and let's see if his death will, you know, prompt the the release of some of these movies that are kind of hard to find. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I've, I would love to see Bruiser, which was a movie that kind of came out. I want to say maybe. Uh, is that like mid '90s? Maybe it was around the time that <clears throat> it was just after the. Um, uh, I think Resident Evil movie kind of fell through, uh, and and he had put that out, and and 
I, I've never seen it. I don't think it ever came to any movie theater near me, and I've never seen it on video anywhere. Uh, but that's a movie I would, you know, like to check out because I have no idea. I don't even know what it's about. <laughs> but it's one of the few Romero movies I've never seen. So, um, but uh, well, if I have to say anything about it, Martin, go see Martin. Yes, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my on my list of things to to ferret out and find. Well, I, you should. That's probably. I'm uh, gonna get the entire series of Tales from the Dark Side and see if I can make it all the way through it. I'm sure you will. Should be. <laughs> Timing is the problem. Timing. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, thanks again. Uh, I, I appreciate you guys coming on. And um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to try to do this again when somebody doesn't die. <laughs> sure. I, was, I was just going to say, you know, it's kind of I, I, feel, I feel like every show we do uh, lately, it's, it's uh, hey, let's together get together and talk about who died. Um, <laughs> but the thing, but the of, thing is with Romero, you know he'll be back. So there you go. Well, well of right. course. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody had to make that joke. And he won't be looking for. <laughs> brains. That's, sure. that's right. Not in his world. Not in his world. So, all right. Um, so that'll that'll about do it for uh, this episode of uh, Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules. Uh, do yourself a favor. Go out and check out some of uh, George Romero's other movies other than the, the Living Dead series. Uh, he, he did some great work. Um, I particularly like uh, The Dark Half, and uh, Creep Show is really good. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, so go check that out. And um, for uh, Brian Curtis, uh, Jim Fitzsimmons, and and, Mike, and Michael Noble, uh, I I bid you all good night and and good luck and other good things that aren't <laughs> bad. And there you go. <laughs> but I'm I'm really great at that improv. Uh, I'm, king I'm, of the king of the get word. I'm selling my improv book here. Uh, (laughs) All right. Have, Have a good night. Space Meals is copyright 2017 by Douglas Arthur for Doug's Side Syndicate. All other content is copyright its respective holders and is used under the doctrine of fair use. You can contact the show by sending email to spacemules at yahoo.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at spacemules and head over to Facebook to check out the official Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules fan page for all the latest news, shows, and celestial ephemera. And don't forget to check out cafepress.com slash spacemules for all your Space Mules swag. T-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, you name it, we have all the highest quality merchandise you can shake a Zuni doll at. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. All previous episodes are available to stream or download at spacemules.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next time when you'll hear my brother say... Look, I don't know about you, but I'm famished. We stop on the way for a bite.